Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Freaking first cut. Golly! Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your recap episode for this week's century. Joining me to break it all down, Patrick McDonald is here. Patrick, good evening to you. A little after dark action to start the year. Ooh, it could get a little spicy. Uh, We're talking a little Jason Day style, hopefully, later in the show. (laughs) I've got some takes on that. Uh, Really overshadowed Jordan Spieth's performance this week, but uh, great tournament to kick off the year. Spieth style performance or just his actual performance? Oh, the the blade collar rope hat. I mean, no one talked about it. I thought there's there's something there. Jason Day providing a lot of cover for a lot of guys this week. Mark Immelman is here. Mark, good to see you. It's good to be seen. Yeah, I was under the weather for a few days, but had a nice vacation. So good to be back with you, boys. Um, nice nice to get a little mix mixed up in the fray here. Uh, we appreciate you giving us a $500,000 head start. Well, I figured I'd try and be like Patrick for a week or two and see what it's like at the bottom of the leaderboard and then make my wow. way from there, you know? All right, we'll just clip that, Josh, and we'll hold <laughs> on to that for a couple of months, and we'll just see how that comment ages. Might age well, I don't know. Could age very, very poorly. Kyle Porter is here. KP, hello. It's probably going to age like the uh, like the wine that I owe. <laughs> I'm going to Mark here in a few That's years to be aged Kyle. It's going to be if, aged. if JT doesn't, doesn't play the PGA tour. I'm confused, Patrick. Did you like Spieth's fit or, or dislike it? Well, the bar is just so low with Jordan Spieth that they did a flashback <laughs> yeah. to 2015 or whatever. It's so bad. And it was like, this guy's like wearing the exact same thing. Pretty much. I just, I, I was not a fan of it. I'm pro Jason day somewhat and anti-speeth on the style front i thought the, the speed throw pat was good I, I liked it i was in on it well, well while we're on the jason patrick was it the style or the size of the clothing the amount of fabric that put you off no i i, I like jason day right. the the style because he's willing to do something different i'm all about that that's okay i think uh day two outfit with all the random little uh swirly icons on the pants eh, i'm out on that and i'm kind of out on malbon <laughs> in general but his ability unless they want to sponsor us i was gonna say there goes our sponsorship <laughs> his willingness to try something different i i get a round of applause from from me you you said jordan spieth was wearing did you say a blade collar that is that is the type of collar there you go okay is that's not a blade collar, is it? I think it's just a. I think he. I think his collar has just gone the way of his swing, which is all over the place. <laughs> so you're telling me it was tucked in all day and no one said anything to him? Because a blade collar is like a. It's like a fake collar, right? It's not like a. It's not like a mock turtleneck, but it's like there's. I don't even know how to describe it. There's like a cutout of where the the collar is, but it doesn't actually yeah. fold. 
Yeah, the blade's kind of like a Henley T-shirt. No, that's a blade over there. I I I looked hard. No, thank you, Mark. Thank you, Mark. Is that a blade, Rick? I'm zooming in. Last, uh, year, last year, I know because Adidas had a similar shirt with like a two-button placket we had to wear, and a longer sort of a not a mock but pretty close kind of thing. There's I, no way that's a blade collar. I don't think it is because I'm going to show you what I, what a blade collar is. I'm going to show you. Rory McElroy in a blade and Josh, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to share my screen here. If you can pull this up. When did Rory like, wear a blade? Yeah, exactly. If I can do this fast enough. I'm waiting with I feel, breath. I feel bad for Chris Kirk right now. It won't get to him. Try, try that Josh. It's half loaded. There you go. Okay. That's a blade collar. Oh, oh that's, that's horrible. You just said all the buttons done up. No, go yeah. back to the speed. His collar is tucked in. It's just the buttons on done up. That's a blade. It might, it might be. I don't know because there's a, like, look at the, oh, so, oh, oh. So you're saying, so if he were to button the top collar, yeah, you wouldn't yeah. see the black part because that would be the, that would be against his neck. No, I think the blade is like the accent. It's like the, it's like my, what do you call this? The lapel on this, the sweater I'm wearing. Go back to Rory, Josh. I don't see it. It's done. I'm with you. That is Rory. Are you with me, KP? Is this an even 2-2? Two, two? Well, I'm taking a closer look now. I've got some other photographic evidence. I'm, <laughs> I'm zoomed in. What we have on the show. I've not I don't have all the camera angles available. No, I think it I think it Can you share my screen, producer Josh? <laughs> now I'm really feeling sorry for Chris Kirk. The podcast listeners are gonna love this. Oh, they are. People love fashion talk. Uh, I think it. I think it. I think it's a. I think it is a type of blade. Let me. I'm gonna need to see what you're looking at. Um. Okay. Let me figure out. Mark had to share his screen during the show. (laughs) You have no chance, Rick. I'm gonna. I'm gonna just gonna text this picture to producer Josh, and he can. Oh sure. God, it's gonna take like five minutes. All right, no, don't don't worry about it. I, I'll also I'm gonna I'm gonna consult with some folks that were on site that that might have had better eyes on it as well. Okay. All right. Well, Josh, whenever that comes in, just put it up. We'll we'll circle back. Just throw it up. We'll talk about it. Two big announcements before we jump into the recap and the week that was out on Maui. Number one, that golf on YouTube. Uh, golf on cbs youtube channel that you could be watching us on right now has reached 100,000 subscribers thank you very much please let's go for the next 100,000. and if you would like to vote us for the best golf podcast of the year the link is in the description takes about i don't know 10 seconds to do they don't ask you for anything intrusive they don't ask you for your credit card information or your social security number or your mother's maiden name nothing like that very very simple stuff go cast your vote and we would greatly appreciate it. The century is in the books. And it was Chris Kirk, who goes 67, 65, 66, 65, eight under on Sunday to capture his first victory since last year's Honda Classic. It was bogey free. Mark, for the first 12 or 13 holes, I thought it was pretty darn flawless. I'm not sure I saw many flaws after that, but it was a very uh, well-organized, well-managed round where he had a ton of looks and took advantage of a lot of them. It just looks so comfortable. 
I mean, can we just for a minute, in the era of the hard fade on in the world's professional game, what, eight out of 10 guys hit hard cuts? The high draw is the prettiest thing in the world. And this guy had that on absolute tape. Every single ball with driver through wedge, just the babiest of little balls that fall off the top of the flight. It was so pretty. And, and you know, when it gets a little breezy, now it wasn't breezy like it could be, but when you uphill uneven lies, there's pressure up, it's easy for swing rhythm to get off. But he didn't miss a beat. The guy was metronomic. So for me, it was uh, the golf swing junkie in me just had the, a ball watching Chris Kirk play. And it, it was it was almost virtuoso to kick the season off, in my opinion. One bogey all week, KP. He was... Uh led by his approach play 12th in strokes gained approach he was first around the green and he tacked on another three and a half strokes with the putter chris kirk uh took some time off and played left-handed yeah i might i might try left-handed if you get to come back and, and start playing golf like this well i think we have some evidence that you would not try left-handed I, I was hoping you forgot oh no okay here we go oh no this is a text from uh <laughs> let's go I don't, I don't have the date i don't have the date in front of me but this is a text from rick uh, oh. that somebody that wasn't me laughed at so i, I had no part in this <laughs> and it says i'm impressed and appalled this is about chris kirk uh somebody dropped a video of chris kirk playing left-handed in our group chat yeah. Rick says, I'm impressed and appalled. 82 lefties, incredible. Swing looks good. Also, he plays for millions of dollars in glory, but spends a month, a month, practicing something fairly useless. Question mark, question mark, exclamation point. Speaking of things that didn't age well, golly, Rick. Learn the driver, Chris. <laughs> Learn the driver. <laughs> in, in my defense. Oh, let's hear it. The driver was the worst part of his game this week. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's not a good the 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 jury is tosses it out. Oh yeah, this was uh, I don't know maybe two weeks ago or you know when when that when that lefty when that lefty swing came out and uh, yeah that not great not great for me. <laughs> I I appreciate uh, listen hand up. That's maybe that's the new the new uh, practice strategy. I was hoping that you were not going to remember that I said that. Well, I did. I thought about it all all afternoon. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Kirk was, you know, he was really good. He had, he had a great quote afterwards where he said, "Even though I was nervous, I I tried to think like, hey, I'm not going to let my nervousness affect the fact that I can hit a great shot here." And how many times do we see? I mean, 17 obviously was the was the kind of denouement, like the apex of of what he did uh, throughout the week. That that shot was a joke. I mean that that's such a it's such a tough. Not only is it a tough shot, but it's it's not really a spot where you're flag hunting because you know you have eighteen. You can make four on eighteen. Eighteen is like a four and a half. I don't know what the scoring average was, but it's not a it's not a super difficult hole. And so just to hit that shot into seventeen was uh, it was it was awesome. And his his tempo rick was the thing that stood out to me mark alluded to this but like his tempo was so good and it almost seemed to slow down when when the pressure was on which i was really impressed by so just a, it, it was it was a really it was a really cool win by him i think one of the things i wrote afterwards is just nobody nobody would have expected something like this obviously he's had a great career but nobody would have expected when he came back in uh what was it 20 2020 or 2021 and he's 
he's playing on he's one he's playing corn fairy tour events he played a couple of those and then even two weeks ago when he's playing left-handed golf or whatever you just don't expect him to go out and win in a in a big boy event like this and he just he went and did it i thought it was i thought it was awesome i was really impressed by him and by the entire performance yeah patrick it's you know one it's it's difficult to find the line between kind of staying in the moment and staying engaged without realizing the moment that you are in and i thought that chris kirk did a really good job of that he always walks slow but you did not see that pace change at any point on sunday and the the big thing not only the great shot that he hits into 17 from 208 yards to make birdie obviously a great shot but in the moment now to have the cushion where you can play 18 to a five and not have to make a four or try to make a four to win. And maybe things go sideways. Like that shot was worth, it was worth a birdie on the scorecard, but it was much more valuable than that. Yeah. And I think what makes it a little more impressive uh, to me is just having guys like up in front of you, post numbers, again like birdie after birdie after birdie and having to see that on the scoreboard instead of someone in your own group kind of doing it and keeping pace with them and just knowing like okay when i step up to this par five i'm gonna have to make a birdie or else i'm gonna lose a shot to the pursuers here i I think that takes a toll mentally on you and i know that's kind of the name of the game at kapalua you have to pretty much shoot eight under or else you're gonna get lapped by the field and I think that's just another impressive point by Kirk. And he really did on the back nine without his putter. I mean, he missed a lot of putts, a lot of birdie opportunities from 12 on that easily could have fallen if uh, that front nine stroke was there. And so to kind of build that lead a little bit on the front nine with a five under at the turn and then not cruise, but look really in control that entire back nine, Uh, really impressive win and, and two wins in his last, what, 20, 25 starts probably. For a guy like Chris Kirk, who came to Hawaii a few years ago and got his tour status back at the Sony Open, and to win here a few years later, it's really cool to see. That's such a good point to me, Patrick, and how you spoke of, you know, because you know the people out in front are going to get busy, and especially on that course, because the close to the round of golf, 14, the short four and 15, the five, and of course, um, 17, the five, and then you have 16, where you get to drive in the fairway and you've got a wedge in hand. You know God's going to pick up two, perhaps even three coming in. But there were two shots that stood out to me that speak to your points. And this is this, the approach to 17 aside. That was gorgeous. Uh, he gets it on 14T, drivable, and hits three wood off the tee. So just as content to play his game. Hits the three wood in the fairway, hits the wedge on the green. Then the next hole, that par five, the 15th, that sort of wanders its way down the hill. And it's, it's not as easy as what it seems on television because – you have that chicane in the middle of the fairway. And if you pull it, you can't really go for the green. If you block it, you're in kingdom come. And he just gets up there and just starts at right center, just hits his baby drop perfect. And it catches the slope and works out well. And I looked at this and I'm like, wow, this guy's a guy who's absolutely cool with exactly who he is. He's not trying to do anything he cannot. And he understands that if I hit the ball like I can and I hit it solidly, I'm going to be okay. And, and, and to me, that was a mental battle one too. But you heard Kiz speak about it. I mean, Chris Kirk has been a winner since he was a ju- junior. And he might not blow the brains out of a golf course, but he plots his way around there. And when he gets everything working, he is a pretty sound campaigner. And Career I, I think, earnings, guess, Rick? He's been around a long time. Yeah. Um, I just looked up how many wins he has, so I know the answer to that. I know how many wins he's got. Um, 31. 
29.6. Oh, okay. Yeah. So six, six wins. That's, that's what I looked up. Six wins to Patrick's guess. It was, it was two in his last now two in his last 21 starts. Now he had that eight year stretch between win number four and win number five from colonial to the Honda of 2023. But that's, that's a tidy little career KP six, six wins. And now you're entering, uh, I mean the way the style of golf that he plays, um, there are, there are a couple of really good spots for him. We are going to one next week. He's had a lot of success at Wiley as well. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I think, I mean, just winning a signature event. I was thinking about this during the the round. That's a that's a big deal. You know, there's there's we talk about majors, and obviously those are a much bigger deal. But to win a, a one of the eight Siggies, is that what you call them, Patrick? Siggies, and then I'm calling the normal ones Gen Pop. Gin pop general population. Yeah. Okay. Correct. <laughs> so to win one of the eight Siggies is uh I mean he's had a I think he's kind of had an underrated, really good career, right? Like he's been, I mean, just to stay on tour for that long, almost won a FedEx Cup, uh, did win a FedEx Cup playoff event. Uh, where else yeah. he won Colonial? He's won some some real like legitimate golf courses. And and to add Kapalua to that, it's uh I think it's a career that he can look back on even um, well, you throw in the personal stuff and obviously you're, you're proud of that. But even if you're just talking about the golf stuff, I think it's a, I think it's a career to be proud of. Let's play this game. I'll read you his wins in the name that they were when he won them. And you tell me what that tournament is now. <laughs> okay. So 2011, he won the Viking classic. RSM? Mm. No, that's Sanderson Farms. Sanderson Farms. Mark is on the board. Wow. 2023 McGladry Classic. RSM. RSM. That's the RSM. 2014, the Deutsche Bank Championship. That's the... That's all right. It doesn't exist, does it? Austin. TPC Boston, yeah. Uh, playoff event one-ish, yeah. kind of. Del the Northern Trust. Dell Technologies Championship would be its uh, most recent name. And then <laughs> who can say? And then that, the, that's dead too. <laughs> and then the Crown Plaza Invitational at Colonial yeah. is now what's the, the name? The Dean, the Dean and Deluca. I don't I remember know. It was the Dean and Deluca for one stage. It's Charles Schwab. That's right. Patrick. <laughs> Patrick got that one. Honda Classic, and then the Century six wins for Chris Kirk. On well, well, what's the Honda Classic now? Oh, Honda's had two different names since it's, he's won it. It's the classic at the Palm <laughs> Beaches. I know that because it's on my live schedule. Nope. Under that name. They got a sponsor. Yeah, they did. Uh, I can't right. remember it though. Uh Cogniz Cognizant. Cognizant classic. Look at look at Patrick just deep in the in the deep in the Forbes five hundred. <laughs> yeah. Um all right, congratulations, uh, Chris Kirk. You are on the board. Six uh, six wins on the PGA Tour, 29 under par. 29 under par. 28 under for Sahith Thigala, a 63 on Sunday. 10 under par. He had two separate stretches, Mark, in which he made uh, four straight birdies, two through five, 13 through 16. He could not tack on another birdie. At 18, though, I think if he did, Chris Kirk would have played his 18th hole, the final hole of the day, 
uh, a little bit differently. So maybe it still ends up with Chris Kirk winning just at 30 under par, but Sahith officially finishes one shot back. You know, he's so refreshing to watch play golf. And whenever I get to call him, I get quite excited because he's, he's sort of broken the mold and he is so true to who he is. And I watched him play this evening and he hits his shots and he's creative and he's got all manner of trajectories and stuff. And just the way he goes about it, it honestly, it looks to me like he's really having fun playing the game. And that to me is incredible when you're playing for three million dollars and such. Where he's honestly playing purely for the love of the game, as far as I'm, as far as it appears. And um, I have no doubt that if this guy stays injury free, which I think is a bonus given how he swings it, because the way he moves his body, he doesn't put a whole lot of torque on different joints and stuff in his lower back and his knees and hips. So I feel like the longevity is there. It looks like his short game and the putting is improving almost every week he's out there. So with with the way he plays, it, it, it honestly, it looks to me like there's so much more in his future. And I think we're just scratching the surface with Sahith. Well, the the conversation, uh, you know, a couple of years ago when, when Sahith really started to pop onto the scene, KP, is just kind of how raw and how talented he is. And we're, we're starting to see the maturity, the consistency. It's no longer... T9 missed cut, T11 missed cut. Those results are getting a lot tighter. Uh, obviously, getting close to victory here, winning at the Fortinet, this is something that's becoming more and more of a trend. Yeah, he's he's electric, man. He's he's awesome. He's I think I called him the new Spieth on Thursday night. Uh, it, it's interesting because, you know, he's played well at some of the courses that Spieth has played well at, right? Kapalua, Augusta, he made a run last year. Uh, I think he finished in the top 10 at Augusta last year. I, I want to say he had kind of a, a late uh, stretch there where he played very well. I think you, if you get him on a like a tight tree-line golf course, I don't know how well it's going to go because he, he can get wild, right? But, man, if, if you get him on some of these – these open courses, uh, like like we see at Kapalua, he can kind of kind of get out and run a little bit. It's it's really really fun. I'm I'm excited about his year. I, I'm I'm curious about what you think his ceiling is, Rick. Like what what do you think he can, like whose career? What can he be on the PGA Tour? Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, I, I I actually throw him into a category with like Cam Davis, which is nice. these really raw talented guys that are getting better that when they get on really good courses for them are super dangerous. Now I think Sahith is, is better than Cam Davis. And I think that he kind of proves that down the stretch. I think he could be a one win every two or three. I was every months. 15 months. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I see that. Look, in college, he won. He was prolific, and he was playing against all the stars in college when he was there at Pepperdine. Uh, you you reference Augusta National, Kyle, and I, I remember it might have been the Tuesday. We went there in the clubhouse and had some lunch, and he was sitting there and just had the biggest smile. Now, this is a master's first timer, and when you get to Augusta National, you're awed by the place, and then you go and practice, and then you're like, holy cow, this is legit, and it's difficult, and it sort of keeps you on the knife edge the whole time. But he was sitting there at lunch and kind of eased his chair over to us and was just chit-chatting. And I'm like, are you having a good time? And he goes, man, I'm having a ball. Isn't this place great? And I was looking at him going, you are incredible because most folks come here and they go, yeah, it's awesome. But you can see the nerves and, and the anxiousness. Not him. He was all smiles and he's like, I'm going to go out there and 
just let it fly and he did and as you point out played pretty well there yeah he's he's a very down-to-earth dude i'm uh i'm excited i do think i i think rick there, there's going to be courses where he just naturally struggles on right um i i don't know that he's the type i i don't think he's at the type of talent level where like a I don't know, you like a Cantlay or a Rory or a Rom where where you go to any course and it doesn't really matter what the course is. I don't I don't think he's that. But man, I think he can be really dangerous at a lot of a lot of courses at a high level on the PGA tour. I agree that for now, and I say for now because I don't so let me go in this order. I think there are courses that he will struggle on, and there are courses that will be better for him for now because patrick i don't think he's like i don't think he's sniffed his ceiling i think we are very far away from him finding a ceiling no he's only 26 he was one of those guys who left pepperdine before they won that national championship kind of right there in the middle of covid he got the, his pga tour career started a little after that and so i, I i'm kind of with kyle where it's hard not to see a lot of jordan speeth in him He's like a diet. It's like a diet version. Maybe I know non-alcoholic <laughs> beers are really in now, maybe a non-alcoholic version of Jordan Spieth. And you couple like the electricity of him with his crew, which is just massive. You hear yeah. it on every green. The gala, the gala. It, it's hard not to just like gravitate towards him and root for him. And then he also has one of like, I think the all time kind of bailout, reactions where he just sags kind of like slams the club down a little bit like he did on 18. I think that's the shot that when he goes to bed tonight, he'll want back. I know the chip wasn't great, but the second one, he kind of bailed out a little too much, I think. And so it's, there's just so much to like one in his game two his personality, very yeah. down to earth, great family uh, based off Netflix and the interviews with his dad. I mean, when he won at the Fortnite championship, his dad was like front and center in the camera, just going absolutely bonkers. I don't know how you can root against that. And then obviously his winning pedigree from the amateur level, I think that will eventually translate more into the professional level at major championships uh, and, and big time events. He's the type of guy that if he if he did maybe and I, I don't you know, I'm an idiot podcaster, so don't listen to me, but. I wonder what he would be like with a little speed training because he's already going to be wild, right? Like if he if he tried to, you know, get a little bit longer off the tee and really get out there with some of the the big boys off the tee, I, I think that would be pretty interesting because that's an area where he's he's he just he just lags a little bit and and you probably probably comes into play more at like an yeah like an RBC Heritage than it does at a Kapalua, but that that part of his game is going to be interesting to me. Kyle, I just want to build on that. I, I don't know what the numbers say on Sahith when you talk about length off the tee, but I'll tell you this. I, I, again, I don't know numbers, but I've called him a few times. He is long. I mean, the guy's not short whatsoever. Where it could be kind of deceptive is he's not afraid to go to like what I would call a sting driver off the tee, where he tees the thing way down, grips down the driver, and it's this head-high fade shot just to find the fairway. And with that being said, he is deceptively accurate off the tee too. Now it looks kind of all over the show because of the balance and the and how animated the action is. But granted, look, when I see him on the weekends, he's playing well at events. But he's been accurate and he hits a lot of shape to balls. But he he plays the shape of holes, which to me is so creative and crafty. And he almost finds a way to be accurate just with the way he approaches it. Statistically, uh, 59th in driving distance last year. Three hundred. Sure. He's not sure. Yeah. 
yards. Uh, 172nd in accuracy, 52% of his fans. But I think that that's a good point is when when you see him on the weekend, he's he is probably driving it better. Mm-hmm. Because he's probably playing better. And I think that when he does drive it better, like, he, like that's the one thing that kind of keeps him from um, probably contending more frequently. So it's not like he's incapable of doing it, just doesn't do it as, as much as he should. Okay. We are going to put a pin in that conversation. We got to go through a lot of different guys. We got to recap our best bets. We've got to recap the one and done. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. And we're back. We're going to go rapid fire. One guy for each of you until I say we're done because there's a lot to talk about. Jordan Spieth, that goes to you, KP. A solo third, eight under 65. He goes out in 32, makes birdies on 10 and 11. 14 and 15, hits a wayward drive at 16 into the fairway bunker. That plugs underneath the lip. He has to just extract it sideways. He makes bogey there, and that really derailed his momentum but another good week around Kapalua for Jordan Speed. Yeah, a couple of things but first uh to to close the loop on the on the blade collar uh got word from from the property it is a blade collar. Wow. Uh, wow. Here's a Let's different go. here's a different angle. Um there's it, a second shooter. Well done Patrick. <laughs> I was I was told uh it looks different because the back is a different color but it's uh, it's slightly raised, but definitely does not have a call. I'm catching L's all over the place today. Yeah, sure. so, same here. Tough, tough way to start the year. Good job. Uh, Spieth was, uh, Spieth was very Spiethy. I mean, it was five straight birdies. And then, I mean, not only did he have the plug line 16, but he had the whole, I think it was uh, 10, 11, 12, was it 14 or 13 where his ball was next to, uh Harris Englishes and he had to redrop in a divot. Uh it, the whole thing was just if you if you said, hey, who do you think got a plugged lie in a bunker and had to uh move his ball and then redrop in a divot and also made three, five, nine birdies on the day. I mean, if it's not Saha, it's it's Jordan Speed. So all in all, uh good week. I wouldn't call it a great week, Rick. He didn't he putted it awesome, right? Like he made, he made a lot of putts on Sunday. Yeah. Here's the, what a, what a mess. <laughs> did this, uh, Kyle, did you hear what he said to the rules official during that? I did not. The guy, uh, whoever it was, was like, yeah, that looks uh, pretty similar to what it was. And he, he said like under his breath, he goes, yeah, especially the part where it's three inches underground. <laughs> <laughs> if my name was Patrick Reed, maybe I would. <laughs> um, I thought it was an encouraging week, but I'm not, I'm not, uh, we're not putting jacket number four or whatever he's on, uh, on layaway quite yet. I, I, I don't, I don't think he, he kind of saved himself with the putter, which is not, it, it's good. It's good for this week. He scored well, all that, but it, it, it I, I'm still, I don't know. I'm still a little wary about like what the trajectory is for this season. Sungjae Im goes to you, Patrick. 25 under par, a 10 under 63, which was a 10-shot improvement on Sunday from his Saturday round. And he also 
set the record for most birdies in a 72-hole PGA Tour event. He made 34 of them. Didn't win, so obviously there were some bogeys and other things out there. Seven bogeys and a double. Clean that up. He runs away with this thing by a million shots. Imagine making 34 birdies in a tournament and not even sniffing the trophy. <laughs> I mean, it was a great finish, obviously, but he never really had a chance to win this tournament. I think he will eventually win at this golf course. You see so much similarity to the leaderboards at Augusta National where he's played well. He's played well here a yeah. ton as well. And so I think we talk about all these guys who haven't won in a long time. Cantlay, Spieth, Xander, not a long time, but over the past year. Sungjae kind of flew in under, under the radar there in 2023, and uh, hopefully this is a sign of him gearing up for a big 2024. I want to pick him for one and done next year already at Kapalua. Okay. And I also think he's, I think he's, Patrick, maybe the most underrated player in the world. Him and Russell Henley. Sure. <laughs> but I mean, very underrated. I totally agree. And maybe he's what, 25? No, is he that old already? Okay. Yeah, he's 25. Tour for nine years. March 30th, 1998. Jeez. <laughs> Tour for nine years. Jeez. Perry Ellis. Yeah. Mark gets Colin Morikawa. Bookend 65s on the week, 67 and 70 in between. The good news for Colin is that he was seventh in strokes gained off the tee and first in strokes gained approach. He is that elite ball striker that we have known that he is. That That is back. It's 2024 is the year of Colin. Um, I can go there. Like, I, I know I'd been critical last year in 23 where uh, I felt like just the way the ball was being struck, I felt like the numbers were belying just the quality of the hitting. And you could see he was working very hard on the thing all of the time. And there was a lot of time taken between shots. And turns out then he and his longtime coach, I mean, lifelong coach, Rick Sessinghouse, they break up um, over the Christmas vacation. But he just looks a whole lot more decisive to me. The little bit I saw of him play, the golf swing's the same. I feel like the cadence is gorgeous. The ball striking is there. I, I, I'm enjoying the, um, the counterbalance look in the putter. It looks to me like he's swinging that with a whole lot more freedom. And for me, that that's kind of always the the separator with Colin. You know, even if he's off, he's going to give himself looks. And it's just a question of um, of converting those. So I thought it was a great start to the season. Um, I feel like he's probably going to build on this stuff. And, and, and there's a win on the horizon of that, I have no doubt. I'd just like to see, though, that, that under pressure, um, that he stays because... You know, it's easy when you're kind of chasing to kind of aim and fire a little bit. Uh, I want to see him with a lead or close to the lead come Sunday afternoon, if he's still as decisive, because if he is, that's how he used to be back in uh, 20 in those years when he was winning major championships. If he's that way inclined, I feel like it will be a great season for him. Scotty Scheffler with a Sunday 66 out in 33. In in 33 KP, looking at his putting numbers, first two rounds, very good. He gained two and a half strokes with the flat stick. His final two rounds, Saturday and Sunday, he lost those two and a half back plus another half a stroke. Anything new and interesting to say, or is this just more of the same? Same. <clears throat> new Year's same story. 
Finished first tee to green and 44th in putting. I mean, he's Ricky. The last 25 tournaments he's played dating back to November of 2022, he's he's lost 141 guys total over 25 tournaments. That's he's averaging like a fifth place finish over like 25 straight tournaments, no cuts missed, one finish outside the top 25. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't know what to do with that. Like I'm, I'm almost, I've, I've almost like every time he plays, I'm like, he could win six tournaments in a row. But then I started thinking about it and, and it's like, I think this might just be like who he is. I'm curious where you're at with Scheffler. Mm. <laughs> I don't know anymore. I I remain very optimistic just because the the you know three quarters of the game, T to green, is so much better than everybody else. Mm-hmm. And we get these spurts. I mean, Thursday and Friday, I was ready to hand him six, seven, eight trophies this year. But then he burns a couple of edges. I also think that he and and Kisner made this uh, and the stats bear this out. Kisner Kisner's a low key stat guy, by the way. He made a couple of comments that were like, "I love this guy." Um, it it he gives himself so many more of those eight to fifteen footers than everybody else does, and he's so he's missing more than everybody else. Not because he's just because his rate is lower and because of the volume that he's taking. Yeah. That I, I'm just I'm stunned. It does it has not leaked into and maybe it has and we just don't know about it that it has not leaked into kind of the rest of his game but i i remain incredibly optimistic i like that he has um i mean remember kyle there was a long time where he was first in t to green last in putting and wasn't trying anything new I, i'm at least optimistic about new putter new grip new putting coach work being put in that i'm at least optimistic about that Rick, if I might real fast, just on that, I think he and Phil Kenyon have done a marvelous job on just the shape of the stroke, the quality of the strike with a putter. To me, I think the only thing where he and Ted Scott were tripped up on was they misread a lot of putts. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, look, green reading is a skill and it's a part of good putting. But I feel like if you start to get Scotty at a place like Phoenix, where those greens are true, true, the way he's rolling it right now, I'll watch out. I, you can put me on the record. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I think it's open season for Scheffler. When he gets on greens, a little easier to read. Fair enough. Um, sometimes we got to do the bad with the good. That goes to you, Patrick. Akshay Batia. Two under par. I would take that. Two under par. Unfortunately, <laughs> that was four shots worse than the field average. It was a 71 and it was uh, not good from the start. He made double on one. He eventually got those back with birdies on five and six. He made another bogey on eight and quickly he goes from the top of the leaderboard to outside the top 20 claws his way back. He finishes T 14 kind of what we, what Greg and I talked about on uh, Saturday night, you know, the, the massive gains with the putter over the course of the first uh, three days you wonder how that starts to go when pressure's at, at its highest. It didn't go well for Akshay. The rest of his game wasn't very sharp either. When you said bad news, I thought you were going to give me wet socks, Shoffley, but uh, I'll take Batia. I, I mean, it's just a nightmare start where you lose your golf ball on your first tee shot. You walk all the way down the fairway and you have to walk back. The walk of shame is probably the worst thing 
in professional golf, especially on the very first hole. I, I don't think I've ever seen that happen, at least not since maybe 2020 U.S. Open at Wingfoot. I know a few guys lost their golf balls in the rough there. And so to get punched in the mouth right there on the first hole and then being in that final group in a signature event like that, it, it's really tough to overcome. And I, I think we could all agree the sky's the limit with this kid. Still only, what, like 21? So much runway in front of him in his game. And I think it, it's just a learning experience that most, if not all, professional golf golfers have to go through. And I think to get it out of the way when you're still 21 uh, is going to be huge for his future. Mark, we'll wrap this up with your golfer, but your golfer is not a golfer at all. Your golfer is the golf course, mm -hmm. uh, plantation course at Kapalua. And I will preface all of this by saying I understand that par is a social construct. But if you would have played Kapalua to the field average this week, you would have shot 18 and a half under par. Uh, that score alone would have won 28 different PGA Tour events this year. Uh, 18 under par is pretty deep under par, is it not? <laughs> uh, yeah, golly. I mean, well, first off, and I commend Kurt Byram for saying it, because the the superintendent and his staff, a lot of them lived down the way in Lahaina, and they lost everything. But these folks put their best foot forward, and they presented a golf course that was in immaculate shape. Now, I, I can't remember when I was there last. It was for Justin Thomas when he won, when he won the two events there in a row. And I always remember the golf course being sort of grainy. The fairways were sort of chopped up in landing areas. And the greens were inconsistent. But I watched a lot of the footage, and the greens looked immaculate. The only thing is, and this is, look, it's the case for any golf course where you got um, a seaside environment. If the wind doesn't blow, the players are, players are going to shred the place. It's just how it is. And I've I've seen the place be burnt to the tune of 24, 5, 6 under par before. And I, hear the, I believe the year JT one was maybe 15, 16, 17-ish. So I think it's a function of the wind really not blowing. And just that the course was in such great shape. Because every putt I saw a low level on, they weren't bouncing. And I remember when I was there with us on those greens, you'd see balls wiggling around the show all over the show, all over the time, time. So I think it was a great job all involved. And yeah, you had to shoot crazy low, but when you get there with good conditions and no wind, you know, you're good. So it's, it's part of the job. Before we end this segment, I just saw a good uh, stat on Twitter. This is from Underdog's golf account. Chris Kirk, 331 PGA Tour starts, six wins. Ricky Fowler, 323 career starts, six wins. I think mm. that show, Chris Kirk, under pretty underrated career he's got, he's got going right now. Well, that begs the question. If I said you right away, Kirk, Fowler, head-to-head, -head, where do you go? I would take Fowler like 99 out of 100 times. In terms of, in terms of like – like who's had a better career or who's a better player or what? No, if you just had to line them up and say, okay, you're picking them in five events this year, who are you going to pick? Between then you got to choose between the two of them for who beats the head to head versus the other one. You're taking I probably I'd probably pick Ricky, but yeah. That that's kind of like, okay, Mark, who would you pick between, I don't know, Ricky Fowler and Lee Hodges, for example? <laughs> Uh, I'd go with Ricky there, but I tell you what, Kirk is a Kirk is a match for. Uh, Kirk, I think Kirk is a match for Ricky. Ricky is impressive. He drives the ball a long ways for a slightly built guy, um, and he's a wonderful putter. But Chris Kirk just has that X thing, you know, the, the between the ears. And when he when he gets into contention, he polishes stuff off. He and and he does it 
well within contention. Ricky's, I think the underrated part of Ricky's career, Rick, is just the the major performances. Kirk hasn't had that, right? He's got right like one top ten, I think, two top tens at majors. Southern uh, Hills. Yeah. Twenty what was that? Twenty twenty two PGA. I think that's it. Maybe one other top ten, but Ricky's got just so many of I mean, he's got, you know, fifteen top tens or whatever the number is. So I think that's a that that's a that's a big thing. Chris Kirk, uh, one top 10 in 24 major championship starts, one in 24, one in 24. Ricky Fowler, Ricky Fowler, uh, 13 in 49. So even if we even if we match those up, Chris Kirk would have like two out of 40 something. Ricky would have 13 out of 49. That's a big difference. Massive difference. Yes. Agreed. Okay. We are going to recap the best bets, which we'll talk about Wet Sox, uh, Xander Shoffley, and his pal, Patrick. We are going to recap the one and done full of drama. And two of you, the listeners, found your way to Chris Kirk this week. We will Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And more. After a quick word from our partners, the bets for this week, man, we, the last five holes turned a lot of green into a lot of red as, uh, that tends to happen in this sport. KP, you and I were on opposite sides of this. Eric Cole over Cam Davis. It was close. It was an 11 shot difference. Eric Cole, <laughs> Cam Davis by. Yeah, I regretted this. I think I said it on our pod because I read your newsletter after I picked it and regretted it from the moment I picked it. Should have switched it. Didn't. And uh, congratulations. Thank you very much. Um, Patrick had Tony Finau, 17 under par, T38, beating Cameron Young, 18 under par, T33. One stinking lousy shot, Patrick. Yeah, and I think uh, if you look at the stat book there at the end of the week, I don't know how many double bogeys were made on the par 518th, but I can tell you Tony Finau had one today, his last hole of the tournament to lose this bet. Um, oh, that's like a triple. So, that, that's so just, tough. just to recap, Tony Finau loses by one shot to Cameron Young. Tony Finau on the 72nd hole of his week makes double bogey on the par 518th that is playing more than a half a shot under par. That's that. That's you know. That's a bad beat. Bad beat. I don't think he lost the ball. Well, makes it even worse. Uh, he did take a drop somewhere though. That's a that's a KP special. A double without losing a ball. Uh, it says he hit into the native area. He did take a drop. Okay, that makes me feel better. Maybe he found the ball though, which always makes you feel a little bit better. Okay, finishing positions. Patrick can't like KP, oh. who was inside the top 10 for the, I mean, he hung around. He was like basically T12 the entire week. He finished T12, 66, 68, 68, 67. Yeah, he's kind of flirting with it. I was I was tracking it uh, during his back nine, and he was kind of in and out. He was T8 at one point and then dropped out and then birdied the last and ended up finishing uh, T12. So uh, 
I'm fine with it. He, he was close. He flirted with it. Uh, that's that's totally fine. I, I, I he started really well. I thought he was going to have a better week, but just kind of kind of stalled out over the last couple of rounds. If it makes you feel any better, Patrick, what Tony Finau did on 18 lost you a wager. What Xander Shoffley did on 18 cashed you a top 10 thanks to the eagle that he made a very meaningless eagle after making eight bars <laughs> in a row on the back nine. He makes you an eagle to finish T10. And the way that we grade these, uh, that gets you the full share because we are not a sports book. It's always a bold strategy to try to par to death the back nine at Kapalua. And I do applaud Xander for trying to employ that today. Uh, I could go on a long rant about wet socks right now, but I won't just because he did make that eagle three on 18 for me. And uh, because of that, I'm very appreciative. That's such a Xander finish though. Just a, just par, 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 par. And then an Eagle. He, he, he drives me nuts. His, I thought his chances were over once on number six, where Kirk putted first from about eight and a half feet, made it. And then Xander missed his, then he finds the divot on number seven, doesn't hit a nice approach shot there. And you kind of just felt the winds take, when taken out of his sails and then from there kirk kept on kept on going and it kind of just felt like it was it for him i said to myself today i like i'm just glad i'm done with him like i, I just used him in the one and done and now i don't even have to worry about <laughs> when and i'm just like happy happy to be done with him um mark i'd like your opinion on this one i had brendan todd to finish inside the top 20 this was such a lock that josh actually marked it green as a winner in the outline josh yet brendan todd who goes out in five under on sunday uh hits one a mile off the planet on 14 snaps his driver and i've never seen brendan todd throw a club throws his club snaps his driver makes another double on 17 doesn't birdie 15 or 18 drops 16 spots to 33rd and loses the bet yeah two things there um look if there was one guy I was going to bet on not to miss one of those wide fairways, it would be Brendan Todd. But all that being said, I, I would have been keen to see your metrics. I didn't read your newsletter this week, but because ordinarily um, the century is the kind of place that lacks a really long driver and the fairways are so wide. Everyone's, you know, you, you've really got to hit it wildly to get it into that native grass and stuff. So uh, uh, top 20, you would think that was a given. I would have jumped all over that too, but it was a surprising back nine, especially that the errors were made off the tee because that's ordinarily his calling card. I was also not expecting the club throw. He's not a club throw kind of guy, is he? Uh, not at all. Mm -mm. And, and the first time you throw it, of course, it snaps, which is just... Mm, which, makes you, which makes you wonder. I mean, I, I didn't see, was it a Tyrrell Hatton kind of a throw or was it like a gentle toss? Because it may have been slightly or somewhat fractured if it was breaking on landing. Now he, he hit something with it. So he uh, didn't he didn't chunk it. He just kind of like flipped it and it hit a microphone or a sign or something. Something by the tee box. So he's getting fined on top of it to add insult to injury. He's getting for fined. sure. The best bets, pretty darn good. KP, Colin Morikawa, top ten, no problem there. Uh, well, it was, it was a little dicey. <laughs> he was flirting with it. Him, him and Canada were kind of right there all day, and he. He pulled it out at the end. So I was feeling great after round one. So was I. Um, Patrick, staying positive and staying in the green 
This is like four or five in a row for you since you've turned to a positive kind of guy. Xander Shoffley and Patrick Cantlay parlayed to finish inside the top 20 for both of them. It was even money, and it's green. I'm going to be hitting this bet every time these two tee it up. Top 20, don't let me bet them to win. Rick, I know you're out there on the West Coast. I'll buy you your ticket here to the East Coast if I bet either of them to win, and I give you full authority to kick me in the nuts if I do. (laughs) We're going to stick to the top 20 in the parlays because we're humming. Uh, I accept. You have yourself a deal. <laughs> so my my best bet was Matt Fitzpatrick, top GB&I, Great Britain and Ireland, uh, plus 260 with Hatton, Fleetwood, Rose, Wallace, and Power. Now we got to talk this through because Fitzpatrick and Terrell both finished at 22 under. So I would like – uh, I would like Josh to apply the the dead heat rules on this and and divide it by two and give me plus one thirty, which is the way that would get graded. Is everybody okay with that? Totally, sure, cool. Okay, so that makes <laughs> well, you'd lose my business in the book like that. Pat. That uh, that's two and a half wins. Two and a half wins for the best bets. Now. We go to the one and done, which for the first time ever, we have opened this up to the fans. There were 717 people who put a pick in in our one and done. Now, Josh, I have a question because you know this is going to come up next week. If people want to get in, can they still get in? They'll obviously be behind, but if someone wanted to start at the Sony – Okay, Josh is telling me yes. So, Mark, if you'd like to get started at any <laughs> Well, I'm just going to start my week next week, so we'll go from there and see how it works out. Great. <laughs> Are we all clear that you have to submit your pick into the website now? Yeah, I got you. Yeah. I, I mean, feeble excuse, but I had family in town from South Africa, and I was, I was, I was headless at the time. All on me. All right. No, no worries. Well, uh, 717 people are in. You can still get in if you want. We'll have the link in the description. Uh, let's recap our situation to begin with. It was pretty similar across the board because myself, uh, Greg and producer Josh had Xander Shoffley. Uh, Kyle, uh, excuse me, Patrick had Patrick Cantlay and Kyle had Colin Morikawa. So look at Kyle, take a screenshot his name is at the top of the leaderboard. Congratulations, Kyle. It might be the only week. I'm like the I'm like Charlie Hoffman. <laughs> Thursday leader. Uh, no, it was it was great. It, it was you know this is. I think it's it's a little deceptive because it comes it it happens so fast. It's the first tournament of the year, but it's such a massive purse. I mean, what what. What's a more important? I guess the players is a more important one than this. That's the only one. The rest are tied, right? The other signature events are 20 or unless like the PGA championship comes out and says, we're going to do 22, but we won't know that until later. So really the only one we know right now that's bigger is the player's championship. So that's why I think it's it, it like, I'm really impressed or uh, kind of annoyed that people would like, how do you take Chris Kirk for the biggest person or the second biggest purse of the year? No offense to Chris Kirk. Well, and also no offense to those two people that took him, but uh, one, Username okay boomer. Is that is that insulting, Mark? Are you insulted by that? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yes, so my my kids tell me I'm a I'm a boomer. I I, I think more for Kyle who's in uh poke. Uh, uh, okay, yeah, yeah. Oh. I agree. I me and Mark are both offended. 
front war. <laughs> well, the other guy who picked Chris Kirk offends me too because that name is you're obviously not a golfer, and I'm taking that personally. I think we've been offended everywhere here today. Yeah, for sure. But I just I think it's I mean, I guess it obviously it's a good strategy to be kind of lone wolf or pick somebody that that doesn't have a lot of ownership. Uh, I shouldn't be talking one and done strategy in front of Rick. I, you know a lot more about it than I do. But it, it to me, it's I wonder if people who are picking non-stars and superstars are were aware of just like what the what the purse was for this week. Well, we'll see. We'll see if OK Boomer goes wire to wire and wins wins the one and done. We'll uh, we'll we'll tip our cap to that. There were one, two, three, four, five Sahith selections. They got two point one six million. A handful of Jordan Spieth, one point three six, and then some Colin Morikawa's at six hundred seventy eight thousand dollars. So Sony Open next week, first full field event of the year. We always get the the newcomers, the guys coming up from the Corn Ferry. I believe we're going to see. Alejandro Tosti, we're going to see ADDC, we're going to see Zalatoris. Coles, Zalatoris is back, McNeely's back, there's like seven guys making a start on major medicals, there is a lot happening for next week, uh, we will obviously be back Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, any final thoughts before we get out of here on this Sunday night? Uh, I, I got one, uh, Ricky Fowler finished at 10 under, 56. At nine under, number 57 on the leaderboard, Lee Hodges. So, Ricky Fowler. I'm not forgetting about that 3M tussle Mark and KP yeah. had about, about the careers of Hodges and Fowler. It's off to a, a racing start. No, no, was, it Hodges, was it Hodges and Fowler? I took Hodges over somebody else, I remember. Gordon Sargent. Oh, yeah, was, no. yeah, was it Sargent? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, just, I thought it was Fowler. He just finished seventh in the uh, in the Jones Cup down in Sea Island. It's he probably was, too too easy of a. It's of course it's probably too short. Yeah, <laughs> so you got to get get on some of these big boy major championship courses. Yeah, okay. Uh, I no, I don't have any final thoughts, Rick. I, I mean, other than I just I I don't know. I kind of alluded to this earlier. I don't know what to do with Scheffler right now. I don't know. I don't know what category to put him in. It, it's it's a it's such a unique thing that we don't see very often when guys get on 18 month heaters like that, they usually win a ton. Right. And and he's won a decent amount, but I, I mean, at some point you are what you are. And I'm, I'm my, my faith is waning that he's going to rip off five wins playing at the level that he's playing at. It's a, it's a gift and a curse. It's a, I would love to give him some truth serum and pick his brain a little bit. Well, because he, I think he would say, I heard him in, in uh, Spieth, I think it was a no laying up interview where they were talking about, well, he has all these 10 footers. So his putting stats look bad because nobody else has as many 10 footers. And you're like, okay, I, I get that for a single round or a single event, but over the course of a season, that stuff evens out, right? Yeah. It doesn't matter if you have, if you have 110, let's do eight footers. If you have 108 footers and you make 50 of them, and those are the only putts that you have, you have the same number of strokes gained as the guy who has 10, eight footers who makes half of them. Well, maybe I can bring the coaching standpoint to this. Like if let's say I was Phil Kenyon, 
And Scotty said to me, all right, Phil, I was missing, missing putts coming down the stretch. I'd look at him and go, okay, since we've connected, what has happened in terms of your performance on the greens? So I'd love you to help me out there. Is he better right now? Because what, they've been together for a couple months or so? Yeah, well, he's only got two starts. Okay. Yeah, I think I think we need some. I think it's a great point. I think yeah. we need time, though. He gained a little bit at the hero, right? If yeah. I remember off the, correctly off the top of my head. And he was a small negative this week. Which is infinitely better than what he was last year. So, sure. he's, so he's, if he's a stock, he's trending, correct? Yeah. I, I agree. That's where I am. And he's the number one player in the world. And I also think that um, there is a la there's usually a lag between like the things that you're working on and when that stuff gets into competition. For sure. For sure. So... I bet you it looks great on the putting green in practice. And then it's, he's just got to get that in there every single time. I think it's, it's a, it's a great point that you made Rick earlier that Mark is sort of backing up or it's, it's like, okay, it, it would be more concerning if you weren't doing anything. I think it's, I think it's encouraging that you're working on changing something and yeah, you might not see the results of that until the masters or until the PGA or whatever, but that's a good time to see those results, you know, and, and maybe he, maybe he does win five times and they come in the summer instead of January, February. So, uh, yeah, I'm not bailing on it, but it's just, it's, it's just the exact same thing. It feels like every week as, and Josh just put this in the chat. Well, this is like the worst event for him. Like, like, you know, a birdie where you, you gotta get to 20 yeah, under yeah. par and, and, and the driver is mostly taken out of the game. And he was still in contention for the vast majority of it. And led the field in from T to green. I, I, I'm still very, very optimistic about his, his iron play is so underrated. Cause obviously everybody like sees the way he moves his feet off the tee and they're like, Oh, it's crazy that he hits fair. His iron play is unbelievable. I think his short game is fantastic. It's really good. Yeah. There's those like grainy Bermuda lies that give everybody trouble. He, he hits some fun ones around the Yeah. Game. He's the number one player in the world. Can't get any better than that. Can't get better than number one. Okay. We'll be back Monday. Sony Open DFS preview. Sony Open Mega Preview Pod Tuesday round by round recaps. Probably a similar time because of the Hawaiian time that we will also still be on for next week. <laughs> Patrick was hula-ing his way out of this podcast. Big thanks to producer Josh who does all the hard work behind the scenes. Mark Immelman, available at Mark underscore Immelman. Patrick McDonald at P. McDonald CBS. Kyle Porter at Kyle Porter CBS. You can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been The First Cut. We'll catch you next time.